Hello there, my friends. Welcome to Story You Talk Radio. I am your host, Coach Debbie, and I am delighted that you have reserved this hour to spend with me. Today, I have a very special guest with me that I'll be bringing on the show in just a little bit. I want to get you all caught up on some news. One is that the author's mastermind is right now taking your names for the spring waiting list. That's right. I am ready to help you write your book. In fact, I have one of my authors right here today. I am ready to help you get going on your memoir, your stories of fiction, your cookbook. Let's give a nice shout out to Diana, who is just about to wrap up her cookbook. Whatever it is you want to write about, I would love to have a conversation with you and tell you about my 90-day mastermind. The next opening for that will be April. Like I said, I have a, a wait list going on for that right now. If you'd like to get a little jump start, you want to talk about a VIP, we could put together a little two-week package for you. That's one of the things I love to do with people listening here at Story You Talk Radio and following Story You Coaching. If you want to learn a little bit more, or if you'd like to write a letter to me, reach out at CoachDebbie.com. Debbie is spelled D-E-B-B-Y. It's CoachDebbie.com. Just click on Connect and send a little note to me. I promise you I'm the only one who reads them. And give me about 48 hours, and I'll get right back to you. Another little note I want to share with you is that coming in the late spring, we will be having our first retreat for 2023. And then coming in October, we will be having a cozy little writer's retreat in the Woodenville area here in Washington. It's really nice to just do a a little weekend together where you can go to the spa, you can get some writing in, and really, because you have a nice little community of people with you, you find you get a lot done in just two days' time. It's not so much about working hard, it's about taking a break from working so hard so you can work really, really well. And finally, the last thing I want to tell you is that we started an Inner Circle subscription this year. This is available to anyone listening to the show that really enjoys the teachings I offer here, as well as some of the interviews with authors and other guests. Often we talk about things that prompt you to want to go even deeper. And if that's you, but you know, you're not ready for a book. You're not getting on the TED Talk stage next week, but you do want to take a little action. You want to get into some better habits. The Inner Circle subscription is for you. I've got it at a nice price, $37 a month. You really can't beat that. $37 a month, or you can pay in full for the annual subscription where you get a few 
extra invitations. Right now, it is January, if you're listening to the show live, and it is available to anyone that would like to try out my Inner Circle free Facebook group for the month of January. And after that, if you are interested in staying, I welcome you to stay. And it will be $37 a month for opportunities to go into more teachings around how we communicate in our own chapter of our life, let alone how we might be communicating in the chapters of things we want to write. It's for all levels. And if it speaks to you, I would love to have you there. Today's show is very, very, very near and dear to my heart. I am bringing in one of the writers from my life coaching program. She's someone that I probably met maybe 22, three years ago. We both worked at a college in different departments, and her life partner and I were both faculty Many, many things in those years happened, but one of the first things I remember about becoming familiar with Becky is that her father, who also worked there at the college, he had an office, and I would come to his office, and I'd I'd need a room scheduled because I was in one that was 10 miles from my office, and I, I needed one that was closer on the campus to my office, and He'd say, we're going to get you all set up here. While I'd wait for him, I'd look at these pictures of eagles and ferry boats. It was clear to me all of these images were local. One day I said, where do you get your art, Steve? And he said, oh, that's my daughter, Becky. And I went, Becky? Becky, who works here? And he said, oh, yeah. And I said, she's pro. And he said, yeah, yeah. Well, guess what else? Becky also writes, and we might not have had the privilege of knowing that Becky writes, but she went through an amazing and very, very difficult story of her own with grief and with the faculty member that I mentioned to you, Pam. This began in the cold days of COVID, maybe even just a little bit before we were getting some warning signs around it. And what happens when anybody is going through a really hard time? But as you know, when you're going through lockdown, makes everything 10 times harder. Grief happens to us when we're young, when we're middle-aged, when we're old. It happens to us because we had best friends, we had life partners, we had parents, we had schoolmates. It happens to us because someone broke up with us, someone passed away, or something in between. Grief can even happen when your roommate moves across the country. Grief is one of those really, really complicated stories. But when you walk through your own grief, you start to uncomplicate it for yourself. And this takes some time, and it takes some definite dedication. It takes a desire to want to know your own grief. And in, for most of us, I will say, it just it takes getting some help. You might start by helping yourself. 
I know Becky picked up her camera and took herself outside. She had had many years of experience with that. She also picked up a pen and started writing. That's something I had a lot of experience with. For you, you might have found a very different way to move through it, or you might be tuning in today simply because you don't know how. And if that's true, you are not alone in that. You're not alone at all. Grief is one of the most difficult things to find your way through, whether someone's holding your hand or whether it's the season of COVID and you're feeling especially isolated. But grief also is not a life sentence. And we are going to get into talking about how Becky's real experience happened, what she created, and we also have an invitation for you. So without further ado, let me please introduce Becky Gibbler. She is local to the Seattle area. She has written a book called Born of Grief and Flow. You can find this book right now via the link through thirdplacebooks.com. The release date is four days away, and you will be able to find it on Amazon. You might even be able to find it right now. Take a look. Give a shot at Amazon. The book is called Born of Grief and Flow. And my guest today is Becky Gibbler. Welcome to the show, Becky. Thank you, Debbie. I'm happy to be here. I am really, really happy that you are here. And I know it takes a certain amount of guts to come in and talk about big topics. So I just want to thank you for being here today. We highlighted some things that uh, really, really helped you along your path. For most of us, the first thing that happens when we're dealing with grief is we've just got to find some way to cope. How are we going to cope? What would you like to tell us about how you were coping? Uh, For me, early on, I realized that when I went outside and took photos, being in nature was very healing to me. And it was like everything else disappeared. Um, I entered a state of flow, and it was the only break I got from my grief. So for 10 minutes or an hour or two hours, all I thought about was what I was taking photos of, and and the grief was completely gone. Um, So I tried to do that every day. Um, I needed that break, and it it was the only thing that got me through those those really early months. It gave you a sense of presence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard musicians talk about that. I think anyone in the arts naturally turns to their their long relationship with their art when they need a way to cope. That was really, really smart of you. At what point did journaling come into it? I started journaling right away, um, probably two or three days after Pam died. Um, it was it was a way for me to connect with her and get out feelings that I needed to get out without burdening my family and my friends. Um, you know, there's only so much that people can listen to over and over again. Uh, so it, it allowed me to reflect. And 
I was very honest in my journaling. So uh, whatever I was feeling at the time, I wrote that down. And that helped me so much later. It allowed me to look back at my progress. And even when I felt like I wasn't doing okay, I could look at those early journal entries and know that I was so much better than I had been. And I think that's really huge. When you when you shared that with me, I reflected on some of my own grief and how there had been times when I wrote in a journal and I would fill it up and run out and get another one and fill that up. There are also times when I did voice recordings just because I didn't have the energy to get off of the couch and go get my journal. But you're right. When you keep things like that, you see that you're actually progressing. And if you hadn't of, you might think, nope, nope, this heavy thing is, is still really, really here. Now, you are like me. You don't have a PhD in, in grief studies. And even those who do usually learn a heck of a lot more when they have to go through their own grief. But at some point, you probably realized that you were learning enough that you had an audience. What did you decide you wanted to do or share with an audience? So um, you're right. I'm not an expert on grief, um, not even my own grief, because it, it changes rapidly. Um, I'm, I'm learning to kind of ride the waves. So when I wrote the book, I did that for my own healing. And it, it was very healing to me. Uh, it, I had never intended to publish it. And then I showed it, you know, I printed one copy and I showed it to friends and family. And the message I kept hearing was, oh, where can I get a copy? I, I know somebody who this will help. So I, you know, talked to you and decided to go ahead and self-publish it. And the messages that I wanted to get out there were, First and foremost, you are not alone in your grief. It doesn't matter what kind of grief you're going through. There's somebody else out there who, who is walking the same path and who can help. And it does get easier. So those are the two things. It, initially, I felt so alone, and I felt like nobody understood what I was feeling. And I thought it would never get better. And, and when you're facing those two thoughts in early grief, it just looks like you can't continue. So the message I want to get out is every time I talk about grief, you are not alone. It does get better. There are people who can help. Um, there are some amazing counselors out there, and there are grief groups, and there are friends who want to help. Absolutely. We have a lot of cliche in our culture of, you know, give it one year. I can even remember someone I used to work with. He wore this black band around his his arm when his father died. It it was like a, I mean, it always reminded me of a swastika, but it wasn't at all, you know, but it was this black band he wore on his arm. And the last 20 days or so before that band came off, he kept saying, at one year, this band is going to come off and I'm not going to talk about my father anymore. And a lot of us thought, oh, I don't know about that. But somewhere along the line, he had heard that you only get a year. And I think you learned early on that, no, 
No, we don't set our own timelines. So for all of you who are listening, if it's been 10 minutes or 10 years or something in between that you're dealing with, you work with your grief and it helps you work with what you need to do. Everyone needs to do what they need to do. I know it sounds just as cliche as you need a year, but honestly, let yourself off the hook that in a year's time, it's all going to be better. Listen, everyone, we are happy to take your questions. If you have something for us, first, we've got to take our first break and we're going to come right back. Stay tuned. You know Coach Debbie from Story You Talk Radio, but do you know about her annual membership? Well, now you do, and you're invited. Become the author of your dreams and upscale your career. Transform your home or grow your income. Create any future you desire. You'll learn the skills that allowed Coach Debbie to author her own life and transform her most difficult challenges as a writer, teacher, and especially as a person with low vision. The membership doors are open. Just sign up for the newsletter and qualify for the early bird special. Simply go to CoachDebbie.com. That's Coach D-E-B-B-Y. CoachDebbie.com. As a subscriber, you could win a premium coaching session and begin the new year with confidence. I'm Coach Debbie, and I want to invite you to a book launch at Lake Forest Park Third Place Books, where you will get to meet one of my favorite authors and clients, Becky Gibbler. She is a photographer and a writer. She has put together a book called Born of Grief and Flow. Our talk will be inspiring and help you learn the language through grief, as well as how to navigate. You will hear her story. We have a seat ready for you at Third Place Books in Lake Forest Park. That's February 2nd. Just go to their website and reserve your free seat. That's at thirdplacebooks.com. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. If you are just tuning in, guess what? I have a guest in the studio today. I have Becky Gibbler with me. She is someone that I met long ago, and she has been on a journey right now transforming her own grief story. A lot of this came through working with her own time outside with photography. She even took herself on a wonderful and wild road trip. She also did a lot, a lot of writing. When I got the call from her, one of the things that she said was, maybe I need to hire a life coach. I've just finished writing a book, but I wrote this book for me. She talked about that. She wrote this book for herself. And this is not uncommon. In fact, writing a book for many of us will change us. Uh, 
I don't I don't brag about it, but I got a few manuscripts under my bed that nobody's really seen. Maybe I'll, I'll have to take them out because Becky's really inspired me. But writing a book that you don't feel any pressure, any pressure at all to share with the real world will change you. And it might even change your desire to keep it to yourself. Becky has some experience with this. Tell us just a little bit about how writing a book changed you. I would say not only writing the book, but just journeying through this the grief in general yeah. has really changed me. Uh, you know, I don't take relationships for granted ever. Um, you know, we're not guaranteed the next day, the next hour, or even the next minute. So I, I tell my friends all the time that I love them. I tell my family I love them. Um, you know, I don't think we leave each, each other's presence without saying I love you and giving hugs. Um, uh, every time, you know, I talk to my, my friends too, which wasn't a normal thing before. It was kind of oh. hard to say I love you, but it comes so easy now. Uh, they probably all think I'm weird, but <laughs> I'm always <laughs> let them. I love you. I love you. Um, so I'm I'm more patient. I noticed that right away. Uh, it's you know, most things seem so insignificant when you lose your person, and it's just everything. Is, it takes on a different perspective. So being more patient, I like that. I, you know, I I am a much better version of myself now than I ever have been before. And Pam helped shape me when she was alive to be a better person. And even in her death, I, I feel like she's continuing to help shape me to be a better person. Um, I try to be more compassionate and kinder. You know, I realized that most people are grieving something or struggling with issues that we can't see. And sometimes that pain is just below the surface. So being kind and compassionate is really important. Um, just treating each other with love and respect. And then, you know, I'm not the same person I was before Pam died. I Early on, I didn't like that. I knew that that part of me had died. That person was gone. And it really bothered me. And when I looked in the mirror, I didn't even recognize the person I was. And then over the past two and a half years, I've been able to kind of reshape myself and become, like I said, a better person, right? It's It's been a really incredible journey. So even though grief sucks and it's incredibly hard, I feel like beautiful things can come from grief. Um, new friendships, uh, a book. <laughs> Anything know. can come from it. Yeah. And in your, your story, you realized that you were transforming. When you looked yeah. in the mirror, you didn't see the Becky you saw before. Most of us, when we're going through grief, all we want is our old life back. Exactly. It's yep. the only thing that gives us comfort is that thought of our old life. And I remember that you and I spoke a good bit about the idea that when you lose someone, you feel like you're losing your future. Absolutely. I did. I lost that future. Right. But now I have a, a different future with different opportunities. And you know it. You know it because you walked through the path of grief. 
there when I say walk through the path of grief, I'm really putting a a shout out to to the idea that every single day is a little bit different. Every single person that reaches out to us has something to offer, but there's also times where no one's really reaching out. And maybe they think they are, maybe they are in their mind, or maybe they said something and thought, I just reached out. But to us who's grieving, to the one that's grieving, it wasn't a reach out. What is it? What it, how does needs even play into grief? What did you learn around that? You know, at first I didn't even know what I needed. Um, I, I remember I, I had a lot of people reach out who were great at the beginning, and, and then life goes on, right? So they're living their lives, and I'm stuck in my grief. And I wrote a, a Facebook post, and I told people, when the flowers die— and the condolence cards stop. I, I'm still living with the grief. I'm still living my life without Pam. And it was great for me to to get that out. I wasn't trying to blame anybody, but this is when I realized that we're so bad at grief. And nobody knew what I wanted because I didn't know what I wanted. So it wasn't their fault. But nobody knows what to say. Um, in general, when somebody dies, you know, you, you have the old cliches that don't help anybody <laughs> at all. And and really what I what would have helped me is just having somebody come sit with me, just be with me. Um, it was hard because of the pandemic. <laughs> so yes. I didn't get much visitors. But um, I, I guess my needs were very simple. Just just having somebody bear witness to my pain. And so that's what I try to do now for others who are grieving. Reach out as much as I can, let them know that they're not alone and that it gets better. Right. I remember at one point you and I, we came up with a code word. We did. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Um, Yeah, you want me to tell? (laughs) You can. Yes, please. (laughs) Yeah, so you reached out early on and just to check in on me and, and you said, uh, hey, if you ever need to talk or just know that somebody is here for you, just send me a text. And, and all it has to say is, hi, Debbie. And then you said, I, you know, I didn't need to respond to that or anything. It was just know that you're there if I need you. And that really, really helped. It, it was great to have that. It was great to offer it, too. It really was. Um because it was something that I think in in one of my grieving times was offered to me. It wasn't the same code word, but like we had a word. And I remember when the friend had offered it, I thought, I'm never doing this. I'm never doing this. But it was great every day knowing I could. It was like one thing you could. Yeah. Um, I also remember things... Like you'd go to the bank. There's something about banks and pharmacies and grocery stores where the songs they play just bring you to your knees. Yes. You know, it's like, how can I be out here in the world? But at some point we have to be out in the world. Mm -hmm. Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I do want people to know that Becky not only has 
her first book, and you are invited to the launch, y'all. This is in Lake Forest Park, third place books. It is on February 2nd. If you're connected to any of my Facebook groups, I've got it posted there. You can also be connected to Becky Gibbler, G-I-B-L-E-R, and you'll see it right on her Facebook website. Now, when they offer these book launches where you can come, meet the author, get a signed copy, one thing about that is even though it's free, you need to reserve your seat. And if you don't reserve your seat, then we might get bumped to the little area where we're all crunched in. We want nice, expansive area, so do it today. Go to thirdplacebooks.com. And just click on tickets. It'll be completely free, but you just put your name in there and your seat is reserved. And when you do that, you'll get to hear our book launch for book one. It's Born of Grief and Flow. But just since you're listening to today's show, we'll tell you, there is a second book. It won't be coming out until later this year, but there is a second book. And it is about the vision quest that Becky went on. You can call it Becky 2.0. You can call it Becky's solo trip. We had all kinds of names for it. But since you're listening, we'll tell you just a little sneak peek about it. You want to tell us about that little vision quest? Sure. Um, Initially, my friends dubbed it the Solo Becky Project uh, because I was taking a road trip by myself. So for 55 days, I I hit the road. Uh, I visited nine different states. I learned a lot of lessons along the way. Um, and you had actually recommended that I go to, to kind of shake up my grief. And I did. It, it was incredible. Uh, I, I jumped out of an airplane, um, yeah. which my dad says is not really very smart to jump out of a perfectly good <laughs> airplane. Sorry, Dad. Um, but it was it was incredible. It felt really good. So I, I thought a lot. You know, I reflected a lot on what I needed to, to learn on that road trip. And I, I did learn a lot. So the book will be about those lessons. And it will be, again, um, a lot of photography put together with it. Uh, I remember, too, that we did a little bit of Zooming while you were gone. Not much, but just back to that point you made, that when you journaled, you got to see your progress. Mm-hmm. Because we were Zooming, and I didn't plan it this way, but because we had maybe three Zoom calls, I saw your progress. Right. I saw you growing right before my eyes. And it's it's amazing what can happen when you leave the familiar, right? Right. I, I think I Zoomed with you the day I went skydiving. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to see the joy on my face. Now, if I remember right, you had a plan to go in a hot air balloon, but skydiving hadn't really been on the docket. Is that right? right? No, I've always wanted to go on a hot air balloon, and I did do that. And then I think it was a couple of days later, I, I, I've always been terrified at the thought of skydiving. And then all of a sudden, I wanted to do it. And so I asked myself, if I leave town tomorrow and I don't do this, how will I feel? And immediately, I knew I would be very disappointed. And so I made the phone call. 
and I did it the next day. You sure did. <laughs> and we have pictures to prove it, which is pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. I would like to touch on um, feelings because I remember there were two feelings that you had said really, really captured uh, what you were going through in grief. And what what I hear from clients is it's always the same too. It's always loneliness. It's always guilt. But something I also want to punctuate here, especially for listeners, is that grief can happen because you were you were dating someone for a year and they chose someone else. It can be because you didn't get the job that you tried for for a long time. It can be in Becky's case, which is one of the worst situations any of us ever imagine, and that is losing a partner. For me, one of the things I know and I, I shared with you, Becky, was that when you, when you know you're going to experience a loss, it's one thing. When you're shocked into a loss, it's very, very different. Mm-hmm. But everyone goes through loneliness and guilt, everyone. Can you just tell us a little bit about, you know, where, what that was for you, but also that it's not the same thing, it's not the life sentence anymore, anything about that experience at all? Sure, Um yeah, the, I knew I'd be sad. I did not expect the level of loneliness that I felt. But Pam had always been the one I talked to if I had a problem or or was happy, right? I, she was the one I went to, my person. And so grieving her death when she was gone <laughs> um, was complicated. Yes. Um, so, you know, the... Eventually, those feelings of loneliness got better, and they turned into feelings of solitude, right, when I learned to be okay with who I was becoming, mm-hmm. and and the grief got softer. Um, the guilt has taken longer. I, I do feel better now, but my main source of guilt was not being with her when she died. So I, she was supposed to come home from the hospital that next morning. I was going to go pick her up, and then I got that phone call in the middle of the night saying she was gone or that she was almost gone. So um, I didn't get there in time. And I felt so guilty for not being with her. And I thought, well, I could have calmed her, right? I could have, I could have changed the outcome. And then really, though, intellectually, I knew that wasn't true. I mean, she was in the hospital with doctors and medical equipment. And if they couldn't save her, why did I think I could have? Um, but it's just... It's it's not rational, right? Grief and guilt is not rational. It seems like it though when it's all happening, it seems like but we're I'm I'm her person. I'll I'll be the one to help out. If I if I can't be there, then everything's gonna go wrong. We we don't see it through the same eyes. What do they call that? Widowers something? Is yeah, there a name for it? There is widow's brain and that's um it brings on a lot of memory loss and, um, you know, confusion. For me, it brought shame yeah. because I had always been in control of, you know, my thoughts and feelings and um, my memory was really good, mm-hmm. right? But with Widow's Brain, it was terrible. 
and I couldn't remember anything. Like I forgot entire conversations I had with my son. Um, I know I drove him crazy, but <laughs> <laughs> and so then there was there was shame with that because I I couldn't function the way that I could before. Yeah, the whole survival instinct is the only thing operating for a long time. Mm -hmm. But for you to be able to speak like this really, really shows that you walked with courage through your process. And I hope we are inspiring anyone who may be listening and thinking that they won't get to this point because you will. You will find your, your pace. You will find how to do it. And we'd love to invite you to the book launch to learn a little more. We do have to take our last break here. Stick with us. We are going to be right back. You know Coach Debbie from Story You Talk Radio, but do you know about her annual membership? Well, now you do, and you're invited. Become the author of your dreams and upscale your career. Transform your home or grow your income. Create any future you desire. You'll learn the skills that allowed Coach Debbie to author her own life and transform her most difficult challenges as a writer, teacher, and especially as a person with low vision. The membership doors are open. Just sign up for the newsletter and qualify for the early bird special. Simply go to CoachDebbie.com. That's Coach D-E-B-B-Y. CoachDebbie.com. As a subscriber, you could win a premium coaching session and begin the new year with confidence. I'm Coach Debbie, and I want to invite you to a book launch at Lake Forest Park Third Place Books, where you will get to meet one of my favorite authors and clients, Becky Gibbler. She is a photographer and a writer. She has put together a book called Born of Grief and Flow. Our talk will be inspiring and help you learn the language through grief, as well as how to navigate. You will hear her story. We have a seat ready for you at Third Place Books in Lake Forest Park, that's February 2nd. Just go to their website and reserve your free seat. That's at thirdplacebooks.com. Don't let that herd mentality lead you off a cliff. We support thinking for yourself on Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio really is a delight to have you along today. And I hope our conversation is inspiring you to see that at whatever point you've ever been with guilt or loneliness or grief or isolation, that there are other people too with experience. There are support available in groups, in communities, and in individuals. One thing that I always felt supported by any time I went through grief was knowing that there must be someone that knows more about it than me. There must be someone. There are so many books to help, but if you can't put your hands on the one that speaks to you, you still feel alone. One of the things I loved about your book, Becky, is that 
you incorporated images of wildlife and nature. There's letters to Pam in it. As soon as I read it, I, I started remembering my dear friend Katie that I had lost. She was a high school friend. She had always been the one that took on the bullies for me. Um, many of the listeners know that um, my late husband uh, passed away several years ago now. There, there were other losses. One of the losses that none of us could have known was my mother, um, when she lived outside of the home for some years, and I was a young girl, grief happens in in a moment. It's in a moment. It's in a breath. Your life can change immediately. There are so many people that have decided by walking through their grief that they have the ability to support. You've even talked about your own ability because you now feel called. And I almost forgot to include that, but if you don't mind, I would like to include that today, that now you feel somewhat called as someone who can speak about grief. Can you tell us a little about that? Sure, yeah. Um, I do feel called to help people. I, Because I feel like we really suck at grief, I need to get yeah. better. Um, you know, I try to have a, a solution if I bring a problem. And I just, ever since I started feeling better about my own journey and like I could walk on my own two feet again, I, I wanted to support those who are grieving. Uh, I feel like it's, it's an important thing that we need to get better at doing. So it's, and it's hard to explain. I just... It is hard to explain, but when you're called, you are. Right. You know it inside of you that you are. I feel the same way about being a teacher. Mm -hmm. And silly as it is, I mean, I started teaching fiction, and over half of my clients want to talk about grief. Well, when that's the way your life has gone, you have a certain calling to do it, and you know exactly what I'm talking about here. Yeah, I'm very passionate about Wanting to help people who are grieving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You even have a, a sense of what you might say if you are someone supporting others through grief. And I don't think that comes to us naturally. I think we have to do quite a walk through it. What could you tell us a little about that? Yeah, you know, I used to be terrible at supporting people who are grieving. I... I didn't know what to say. I didn't want to say the wrong thing. So sometimes I said nothing at all, which is okay if you are willing to be there and bear witness to their pain, but you can't just walk away and ignore it. And I'm I'm afraid that I had done that in the past because I didn't know what to say or do. So and and it's normal, right? We don't talk about grief that much, so people don't know what to do. Um so to those who are supporting grievers, I would say, first and foremost, don't ever tell somebody to, quote, unquote, get over it or oh. move on, right? Mm. Because it's like we talked about before, it's it's uh, your own timeline. Actually, grief has no timeline. So I say to grievers, your grief, your rules, your timeline. Yeah. And it doesn't help when someone says, aren't you over that yet? Mm, man. <laughs> because... It's, I feel like it really is a lifelong process. 
Um, you know, I think another thing is don't tell somebody they need to get rid of their loved one's belongings. Mm. They're going to do that on their own time. Um, you know, I didn't have anyone telling me that, but I, I know people who that happened to. And it's okay. Like, they don't have to do anything right now. You don't have to make a decision right this minute. If you want to wait a year or two years and then decide, that's okay. There's no rule about what when you have to get rid of things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's okay, again, just to be with the person. Um, don't say call me if you need anything because they won't. <laughs> it, it's just, you know, we don't know what we need when we're in that early grief. The The best thing that somebody said to me was, I'm sorry, there are no words. And she gave me a big hug. And so I've been using that since, you know, ever since Pam died and I know people who are grieving. It's like, yeah, that's right. There are no words that can express what this pain feels like. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another thing is to be patient with the person who is grieving because things that seem easy to you may seem impossible to them. I remember the first day that Pam died, I think I stared at the wall for six hours without doing anything, and I just couldn't do anything more. So my wonderful son, you know, who was grieving himself, he he brought me tea and tried to get me to eat, and um, and I just couldn't. But it was nice that he was there, and we were trying to support each other. Absolutely. He was very patient with me. At some point along any journey, we're, we're going to be recommended to specialists. And I found I really liked the work of David Kessler. It, it spoke to me. I found I really liked the work of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. It spoke to me. But not all the phases of it speak to you. I found that my cycle of despair, and if you read, anyone reads about grief, it's very common to be told that there's five cycles, five stages. It seemed like my cycle of despair was going on too long. I was supposed to wrap that up and get on to the next stage and such. What did, uh, what did you learn about just being with yourself, forgiving yourself, being with yourself, at some point in the stage when you realize, no, this isn't a life sentence, but this is a real lifelong process. Why, why would you call it a lifelong process? I feel like even though grief does get better, it's, you're always going to miss the person that you lost um, or, or even the opportunity that you lost, the job or the breakup. Um, you know, my grandma died 14 years ago. I still miss her all the time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that longing for someone to be here and that missing them is a part of grief. So that's why I say it's a lifelong process. I, I'll never stop loving Pam. I'll never stop missing Pam. It doesn't mean that I can't love another person. It doesn't right. mean that I can't have a future with somebody else, a great future with somebody else. But Pam will always be a part of my life. And so that's why I, I think the grief is always there. But like I said earlier, beautiful things can come from grief. Um, And I feel like I have transformed and am a much better person because of the grief. You have transformed. The old Becky is not 
so much with us. All your talents are here. Your personality is here. But the same dreams, the same ideas of what makes a future, you, you've become really open and creative to more possibility. And I think that was one of our key words in it the <laughs> early days of life coaching was yep. possibility. Possibility, opportunities, and freedom. Oh, there were three. There That's were three, right. Yes. <laughs> you know, the listeners might find it interesting, the, the two twos and the two twenty-twos that were all going on. Oh, right. Yes. So on February 2nd of 2022, that was the first day that we connected, and I hired you as a life coach. So two two twenty two and two two twenty three. Exactly one year later, almost to the minute, will be the book launch. And we did not plan that one bit. Nope, we didn't. In fact, we even tried to get the book launch to happen in January, and then it was February, and it's like, oh, okay, we'll take the February. All right, and and then I noticed it was Groundhog Day, and I'm like, wait a minute, we have. We had an old story with Groundhog Day. What was that? And we went and looked and went, oh, man. <laughs> so there, there's something sort of miraculous in all of that when you, you find certain dates showing up. It, it's almost like a, a very large presence is letting us know you're doing it. You're yeah. doing it, right? Yeah. Because yeah. where you were a year ago. Not where you are now. Nope. No. And and even though grief is, you know, it ebbs and flows and you ride the waves, I, I will never be back in that place again. The place just, of deep grief? Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, of Even where I was a year ago, I can't imagine being back in that place. Mm -hmm. And I won't. I won't. I feel amazing. And, yeah, so many opportunities. Yeah. And that, that takes the walk. It takes the walk yeah. through it. And finding what your own five stages are, or maybe you have three, or maybe you have 27. But we find what our stages are. There's a lot of people to write and support us, but you said it so well. Grief sucks, and we suck at grief. <laughs> we do. Don't y'all like that as a nice brand for her YouTube channel? I think that'd be really, really good. Yeah, we do. We suck at grief. But if we stick with the fact that we need, we need ourself, we get better at it, much better. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to share with us tonight before we, we go? Anything you'd like to offer, to read, anything? Yeah, um, for those who are grieving, just be, be gentle with yourself. I know it feels like this will never get better, but it will. You are not alone. Um, there are people to reach out to. It is okay to ask for help. Mm -hmm. And let me say that again. <laughs> it is okay to ask for help. Um, Do you think maybe it's necessary to ask for help? Absolutely. Yes. How about it's a great idea to ask for help? It's a wonderful idea. I know we worked on this. <laughs> she, she's skilled at it now. Yeah. It's essential to ask for help. It is. We can't do this alone. It's, in fact, the, the Solo Becky Project became Becky 2.0 because I realized there's nothing solo about this journey. It's, there have been so many people with me along the way, and I love and appreciate every one of them. Yeah, I believe you. 
Becky's book is called Born of Grief and Flow. If you think about it, there is a huge, huge difference between grieving and flowing. So it's really, really capturing your transformation. One thing I noticed in the book is that you have photographs of Pam's handwriting. I do, yes. I loved her handwriting, and it it made me feel good to take pictures of it. And I've put some on my walls in my house, and it, yeah, it just makes me feel closer to her. And I think that's a real testament to the fact that whatever helps a person feel better is the medicine they need. Absolutely. And flow can be different for everybody. Like for me, it's photography. But for somebody else, it may be journaling or it may be running or baking. You know, whatever you you find that you can immerse yourself in and get a little bit of break from that grief in, in order to keep moving forward. Excellent. Excellent. Would you uh, be willing to come back and talk to us again as you venture on in your writing and photography? Absolutely. I would love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. I want to remind everyone that we are holding a local book launch. We would love to see you there. This is at the Third Place Books. It is at the Lake Forest Park location. All you have to do is go to Third Place Books. Just scroll down when you see Becky Gigbler with Coach Debbie. We're going to be there on February 2nd. The event is at 7 p.m. All that information is right there, thirdplacebooks.com. You're even invited to join our Facebook groups, and we will keep you in the loop. You can join my Inner Circle Facebook group. You can join my Story You Coaching Facebook group, and we will keep you up to date on everything happening. But just please notice Although it's a free event, we need you to register. And I think all they take down is your your name and you just click and it's in the system. I think it's as easy as that. So again, Lake Forest Park, that's the third place books. We're going to be there February 2nd to launch Becky Gibbler's, that's G-I-B-L-E-R, Becky Gibbler's first book, but not her last And that is called Born of Grief and Flow. Thanks so much for being here with me. I come to you live every Thursday. And I'll be back with you with another topic next week. Namaste, my friends. 